Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to our Monday morning Romans Bible study. We're in chapter 8 this morning. We'll dig in here in just a moment. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. I pastor here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. The address is 610 Highway 59. We're located right here on Highway 59, right next door to the dollar store. You can't miss us. If you're looking for a church and you're sick of the old social stuff where uh, the government is just all messed up in the church and you're just really not growing, you're not hearing what you need, I want to invite you. 10 a.m. Sunday morning, Wednesday nights at 6.40, the doors are wide open, bring your Bibles. Let's, let's get in the Word of God. Let's learn Christ. Amen. Let's grow in the things of the Lord. Let's learn what the Bible means and not just what it says. Amen. Praise God. That's why we're here doing this Romans Bible study every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here in my office. And Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time, we are doing a study on the book of Jude. And you're welcome to be in the Bible study next door every Friday morning, 9 o'clock. Bring your coffee, your donuts, your Bible, your paper, your pencil. It'll be one of the best things you've been involved in in a while because we will dig in the scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to paint a, a, a more and more beautiful picture of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is who it's all about. Amen. Don't forget, everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. There you can avail yourself to this the entirety of this Romans teaching all the way back, chapter 1, verse 1. Today we're in chapter 8. There's a Galatians teaching. There is an Ephesians teaching. And uh, you can find that also on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And uh, as of about two months ago or thereabout, I began recording everything I do. No matter where I am, whether I'm home here or on the road, I record using my Spreaker uh, uh, app. And you can get that on your smartphone. It's, a, it's called Spreaker. And uh, my channel is for those who have ears to hear, and there's between 250 and 300 messages on there, and they're gospel-centered messages, every one of them. And uh, so as soon as I'm done with this message today, it'll be uploaded there and uh, for your convenience and audio only. And so praise God for that. We are blessed. We are in the book of Romans possibly the greatest book in the Bible because there we see exactly how it is that we were placed into Christ. Uh, we see how that we live in victory daily, how the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago applies to us today. And if you don't know that, and I'm not being ugly, but you've never been discipled, Jesus said, discipleship requires you taking up your cross daily. That means having faith in what he did for you at Calvary. Uh, because you learn quickly that your hardships, whatever that might be, your divorce, your bankruptcy, your cancer, your whatever you have been, whatever hardship has come on you, that's not your cross. Those are your hardships. And you better learn how to take up your cross in the midst of those situations so that you can live in victory in the midst of anything going on and you won't be dragged out of the faith through the lust of your flesh 
uh, and you can keep serving God and learn how to live in victory. And the book of Romans tells us how we were declared righteous before God, by God, how we became a servant of righteousness. Romans 6 tells us how we became a servant of righteousness and tells us that if we continue to yield to that form of doctrine that made us a servant of righteousness, then our fruit can be that of righteousness and only through that avenue of righteous fruit bearing can there be the fruit of holiness. And see, it's very important to know these things because they don't just happen for the believer. You have to learn these things. That's why we're called to be students of the Word. That's why we're called to sit under those who are preaching the message of the cross. For it is the only message that can remove fear, dismay, and lack. And through Jeremiah, the Lord prophesied through him and said that the Lord himself would set pastors over his people. And those pastors would minister the message that removed fear, dismay, and lack. And the only message that does that is the message of Christ and Him crucified. So, welcome to the Bible study this morning. This is part four. Here on August 26, 2019, we're in Romans chapter 8, and we're still in verse 2. Even though this is part 4, we had two parts in verse 1, and we're still in verse 2. We may move on today. I'm not sure. As the Lord leads, we'll figure that out as we go. So the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death profound scripture there. And verse 2 is a because explaining in greater detail how we can now, why there's now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. But it's for those who of us are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, that which you can do, but it's for those who of us who walk after the Spirit, which means our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ alone. When we add any of the programs and the events and the schemes the enemy has brought into the church through men, you name it, whatever it is. Uh, you know, any, anything, that's, anything that's not faith in the cross is law, and grace can't flow into our lives. God doesn't use uh, the purpose-driven life. God doesn't use uh, any other way than what Christ did at Calvary to save or to heal or to deliver from anything that's not of God or to strengthen. Listen, and when we turn to anything other than simple faith in Christ, then we are not walking after the Spirit. We're not walking after the Spirit, which is the only place the Spirit of life works, is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the only place the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is God's only place He works in our lives is in Christ Jesus. And the proof of that, that being uh, the, the focus of Calvary is because, look at the end of verse 2. It's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has made me free from the law of sin and death. Where were you and I made free from the law of sin and death? at Calvary, through the work of Christ at Calvary, on the cross. 
what he there did, not what we work our way into or not what we even say, well, the cross, yeah, but we also know Jesus did what he did at the cross, tasting of death by the grace of God for all men, Hebrews 2, 9. I can't hardly preach or teach without bringing that verse in because it clarifies what grace really is and the only avenue through which grace really comes. Grace never comes because of what I do. Grace only comes because my faith is in what Christ did. So it's never what Christ did and I also have to. No, the I also have to removes me from grace. The Bible teaches that in Galatians 1 and 6 and Galatians 5, 1 through 4. But notice this, and we talked about this in the last session. Uh, seven times in the last five verses of, of chapter 7, the word law is used. Paul is still talking about law because everything God uh, does with men, among men, by men, for men, is always based on a law. It's always based on the law. The, James calls God's word the perfect law of liberty. And that shows us that when God's word is used, as we're hearing the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, convey, relay to us the word of God in its liberating form, meaning through the context of what Christ did at Calvary, that righteous work, which proves and confirms to us what God says in Proverbs 8 and 8 that all the words of my mouth are in righteousness, in the plan of redemption, through the plan of redemption, because righteousness is only revealed in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Therefore, everything God has done with man from the beginning has been based on the law, because God's word is law. Amen. When God gave Adam the word, you are free. First words spoken to Adam. You're free to eat all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat off that tree back there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Here it comes. Law. That's law set in place. You don't, touch, you don't eat off that tree, you live forever, and you're free to eat of all the trees in the garden. But when the day comes that you do choose to eat off that tree, you shall surely die. Law. Amen. The Ten Commandments were not the first law. The first law was given to Adam in the garden. And God has always dealt with men through the ages, through a law. And even now, because Jesus has come, we're no longer under the laws that were written in stone, although we're born into this life guilty of those laws, not being able to keep those laws. Every human being that's born is born guilty, already condemned, because they're yet to believe on Christ. Jesus taught that. I didn't come to condemn you because you're already condemned. He that doesn't believe on the name of Jesus is already condemned. We're born condemned because we're born guilty as sinners in the family of sinners, the family of Adam, unable to keep the law cannot keep the law. The day you say, well, I've never killed anyone, but you've told a lie. And God says, if you've broken one law, you're a lawbreaker. You're guilty of breaking all the laws. That's what the Word of God says. Doesn't matter if you like it. Doesn't matter if you disagree with it. God's still right and we're still wrong because God can't be wrong. And if God said it, it's law. If God said it, 
It's concrete. It's law. Think about that. But when Jesus came, there's a new law because, and I might have mentioned it last session, there's a new law now. There had to be a changing of the law because there was a changing of the priesthood. We're no longer under the, the priesthood of Aaron. They call it the Aaronic priesthood. That was a priesthood where men operated uh, in the priesthood and then they died. And, and they were under the law of Moses. And the, the, the Levites carried out the, the, the work of the temple, the sacrificial duties. And you had to be a Levite. You had to be in the lineage of Aaron to be a priest. Aaron and his sons and their sons' sons and on and on because they all died. But now we have a new high priest and the law has changed. The law had to change. The Bible says in Hebrews, we're going to read it in just a moment, the law had to change because the priesthood changed. God no longer operates through the Aaronic priesthood. He operates through the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the great high priest, which is the fulfillment of what was prophesied to him, about him, relating to the priesthood of Melchizedek. And let's turn there. Let's look at that. It is in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Watch this. Now we're talking about the law. We're talking about the law because we're in Romans 8, and the Bible says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ. That did not exist before Christ. Folks didn't die that were believers in a coming Redeemer. They didn't die in Christ. They died in Abraham's bosom. They died and went to a temporary holding place, paradise, because the Christ had not yet come. Although their faith was in him to come, he had not yet come. They died under the old priesthood order, under the old law, and now you and I are in the age of a new priesthood, the age of a new law. And watch this in Hebrews chapter 7. This is good stuff if you love God and you love his word. Hebrews 7 and 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, and that means it wasn't, and the word perfection means completion. Remember, Colossians 2.10 says we're complete in Christ. They couldn't be complete under the old covenant. It tells us here, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? If the old law was what made folk perfect, why would there be another law, another priesthood show up? Watch. For the priesthood being changed, I hope you'll highlight this in your Bibles, this is good stuff. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a requirement, a change also of the law. <laughs> That's powerful, my friends. When, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, and that old veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, the Bible says, signifying the new and living way. 
that not just Israel now, not just through some Aaronic priesthood where completion and perfection couldn't be obtained, but now through this new and living way, through the flesh of what God did in the flesh of his son Jesus Christ, condemning sin in the flesh, hallelujah, brings in a new priesthood, the great high priest Jesus, and sets forth in that moment a new law. Glory to God. Let's read about that because the law has changed. Praise God. The law has changed. Glory to God. Woo, I was glad when they changed the law here in Texas from 55 miles an hour to 75 miles an hour. 20 miles an hour difference. Praise God. What a difference that makes. But we're talking about the greatest change of law that man has ever known. The change of an Aaronic priesthood where men were bound under the law. They were bound under that which was uh, only type and shadow. And when, when Jesus died for us, listen, <coughs> the law changed because the priesthood changed and the people that are Christ, that belong to Christ today, we don't walk in type and shadows any longer. We walk in the light as he and with him who walks in the light. First John chapter 1. Glory to God. We are walking in the light with the one who walks in the light with us, the one who is the light. Watch this now. And let's read verse 12 again before we move on. Because the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of who these things are spoken pertains to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Remember, it was the Levites. Watch this. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. He wasn't a Levite. Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah. Watch this. Of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. That means this is entirely brand new thing God is doing. You want to talk about the new thing God's doing? It ain't at your church in your program, my friend. It's through the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. It's in the it's in the newness of priesthood, the newness of law, hallelujah, glory to God, the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God. Watch this. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. That means God didn't tell Moses nothing about Judah being involved in the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident. <laughs> Can you just say that? Far more evident. That after the likeness of Melchizedek, there would arise another priest who is not, listen, who is not made after the law of fleshly commandments, the do's and the don'ts, the eats and the eat nots, the do this on this day and don't do that on that day, uh -uh. not commandments that are carried out and can't really be carried out in the flesh. Watch this. But after the power of an endless life. Mm, think about that. 
this new priesthood that we're involved in under the great high priest of Jesus Christ under a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, meaning through our faith in the cross alone, his righteous work at Calvary alone, glory to God, and don't add to it. If you do, you move, you remove yourself out from under grace and you begin to act as though you're under that law that changed. We're not under any law of old. We're under a new law. And when we try to operate as of all the do's and the don'ts, and, and yes, the Bible is full of do's and don'ts, but we don't gain access by do's and don'ts. We don't gain favor by do's and don'ts. We don't, we don't become righteous by our do's and don'ts because that would be operating in our fleshly bodies. The Bible says that Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus performed that righteous work. Jesus, the one in his death, is the one that became uh, the great new high priest. Jesus is the one who changed the law. And we're no longer under, watch this. Jesus was made unto us, not after the law fleshly, commandments, but after the power of an endless life, a life without end. That's good news. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good news. Somebody said hallelujah this morning. Praise Man, I know that God's feeding his people this morning, but it's only as we look to Calvary that we can be fed. It's the only tasting place where we can say, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Remember, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God in Hebrews 2.9. Again, I can't hardly teach or preach a message without that. It's so phenomenal that Jesus is the one who tasted death by the grace of God. And your faith in his taste of death by the grace of God, by faith, listen, your faith in that work at Calvary is the only place that your declaration, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, can be legitimate. Other than that, faith in that one thing makes us just declare Scripture without purpose, without meaning, without power of an endless life, the power of of abundant and everlasting life. He wants you to experience that today. Not just quote scripture, but to understand, let him, listen, let him explain the very new law that he's put in your heart, the Bible says. That today he's written not the law, this law, in stones, but in the hearts and the minds of his people. This is the new covenant that we're experiencing today, the law which he's written in our hearts and minds, and that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That means our faith in his work at Calvary. That's good stuff. So you, you have to never forget God only works according to a law. It's been law throughout the ages. It will always be some sort of law. Because God's word is law. It's not optional. People say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you don't have to, but you're going to suffer an eternal fire, uh, 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 damnation for all eternity. Just because you don't believe God is real or hell or heaven is real doesn't mean that you're not going to hell. You are if you're not a believer in Christ. And every person who's ever died 
and never have accepted Christ, they're in torment to this day. Right now, they're in torment. They're in torment right now. It doesn't matter that you don't believe it. It's still true. You might not believe that a red-hot burner on the top of a stove will light you up if you jump up and sit on it. Jump up and sit on it and see. It don't matter what you believe. If you're believing wrong, you're going to suffer. And when it comes to spiritual matters, you're going to suffer eternally for what you didn't believe. And listen, every lost person has a pull in their heart toward God, even though they don't know what it is. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 that God has put eternity in our hearts. That right there lets us, every human being, know there's a God. That's why uh, there's so many different religions because there is that what God put in us lets us know we're not just going to be here for a little bit. We're going to be somewhere forever. That's why people have all kind of different false beliefs and demonic beliefs about when they die, they, they can put their wife with them and, and who's still alive and their horse and they can send them out on a, on a little yacht and light them up and burn them because he's, he's died and now they got to die and they're all going to show up somewhere. That's not in the Word of God. And the Word of God was here first. No other word was here first. The Word of God was here first. God created man, and God began to speak to man. And what God has said to man has been written down for man. And anything outside of what we call the Bible, the holy words of God, everything outside of that is induced by demonic spirits who don't want you to be saved because they can never be saved. They know their time is short, and they've seduced millions. They have, they have lied to millions, and they have even pulled. They have pulled millions out of the faith throughout the ages. But as long as we keep our faith in that one thing that allowed Jesus to become our new great high priest, that one thing that has now delivered us from the law, the curse of the law, being death, dead in our sins, and brought us under a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. It's called grace, my friends. Hallelujah. We can stay in this thing called grace. But notice Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1.5, We're kept by the power of God through faith. Not just kept by the power of God. Just, just get that out of your head. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.5, We're kept by the power of God. It's his keeping power, but it takes faith for us to be kept. And it says, unto salvation. And the word salvation always points to the work of Christ at Calvary or it doesn't exist in the mind of God. When men try to add to what Christ did to work their way or complete or justify or qualify their salvation, hear me today, they've been lied to and all they can do is lie to other folks and they have removed themselves from the grace of God. They've removed themselves, and because they're removed now, even in their ignorance and deceitful hardness of sin and deception, they are in an attempt to drag others away into their own false doctrine. They don't know it's false, but there's that check in their spirit. Let me tell you something. Anybody who's truly born again has the Spirit of God. 
He dwells within us. And there will always be that check when something's not right. For years, we lived that way as Christians. My wife and I, my family, we lived that way. We were in a church where there was something that just wasn't quite right, but we, we wanted to fit in. We didn't want to look like uh, we were outcasts. We could never say that, you know, that can't be right because it wasn't really scriptural and scriptures that were being used were really being used out of context. And thank God we were raised in a denomination where justification was taught. Sanctification ain't taught nowhere. Not except really, but for here, spots here and there over the last, the entirety of the church age, up until the last 20-something years. And thank God for those who are hearing that now and coming on the scene. But there's, if you've got the Holy Spirit, and you do, He moved inside of you when you were born again. And there's that check that you don't need to avoid, my friend, because that's that still small voice. It's more than just a check. Don't picture it as a check. That's the Lord telling you something's not right. Every Christian has that. And until we came back to the cross, back to the truth of the cross of Christ, we would have never known what that check was. Because the people in false doctrine... God's people, 99% of them are. They're trusting in their own doing something for sanctification. They don't understand it. They don't know it. And some have even been told it and rebelled against it. But there's that check that something's wrong because the Holy Spirit cannot give that 110% assurance of that you are walking in the light. Oh, they may think they have that assurance, but it's a fleshly assurance. It's not of the Holy Spirit. That's why there will always be a check there. And only the honest Christian will be able to admit that. Only the honest Christian will be able to say, Yes, I know what he's talking about. I, I, I've said and I've watched it. I know it's not been right, but I just couldn't put my finger on what was wrong about it. But as I begin to listen to the teaching of God's Word in the context of Christ and Him crucified. Now I'm seeing what those things were the Holy Spirit was touching and trying to show me was wrong. And now because I'm allowing Him to teach me that which is right, I'm seeing why that was wrong, that I was believing that. <clears throat> and today there are people coming out by the drove of these false moves, these these things that are out there that, that the God's word is being used and they'll say things like, well, my preacher preaches the Bible. My preacher believes in the cross. Yes, they use the Bible and they do believe in the cross for the initial salvation of a child of God, but they do not know anything about sanctification and how the cross applies to our lives today for living in victory. And when they're told they don't know anything about that, they get very offended. And the reason they get offended, remember the only thing that can get offended is pride. When we get offended when the message of the cross comes, that means we're trusting in something other than the message of the cross. So I hope you would tune in to these teachings twice a week, Monday mornings, Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m., where Jesus is the focus. 
not my preacher, not some denomination, not some uh, new program or, or, or something that, you know, these preachers, they'll hypnotize you with a handkerchief. They'll hypnotize you with words that God kept them up all night to get a word to you. Listen, the most, most people that claim the name of Jesus are walking in deception right now. There are teachings out there that you get up and just pretend in your mind that you're putting on the armor of God. Really, that's witchcraft. It replaces a simple childlike faith in the work of Christ at Calvary. That's all God's looking for right there. Let me say something to you. God did that work, and God is the only one that's going to do a work in you and through you that he will be pleased in. And any work being done outside of a simple childlike faith in the sacrifice of Christ is a work of the flesh and not of the Spirit. Now many are going to repent and say, God, forgive me. I've thrown away years. I've seen people saved at the preaching of the gospel, but for years I have taught that which is false as far as how to get victory, how to, how to have the power of God, how to, how to see God heal, how to, how, how, to, how to experience this great salvation I've been given. I've taught it wrong. I've sat under it, and you may be still sitting under it. The Bible is clear. You've got to get up, and you've got to get out. And until you do that, you're never going to begin to receive at the level you need to be receiving. You're under a new priesthood, you're under new law, and it's a new priesthood without an end to life. Life abundant and life eternal. I hope you tune in. I hope you go back when you can and watch all the sessions because you will hear the Spirit of God ministering to you in these sessions because this is the Word of God as it is truth, meaning it's in the context of Jesus. In its righteous context, the only context of the Word of God is righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. That means it's about Jesus and his work at Calvary. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And thank God, God called us right here in midlife, maybe even some of us are the latter part of our life, where we can say, instead of being mad, we can say, thank you, Lord, for stopping me where I was and turning me around and facing me back toward Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Don't forget the YouTube channel is Curtis Hutchinson 316, and you can give to this ministry by simply texting your giving to 903-231-5950 or you can give online at thecrosswaychurch.com. God bless you. We love you. See you later. And until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.